uh, what's been on my heart. Um, first of all, can I can I ask you guys, were you guys blessed by the sermon series last week on you know, proclaiming the gospel? Because I know I was. I know I was. Um, but anyways, uh, I just want to share um, something that has been on my heart and actually something that God has been convicting me of lately. You know, we've been going through the series, um, preaching the gospel. Um, and then as we're going through that series, you know, I felt convicted in the sense that, you know, I haven't been doing you know, my part to reaching lost people. And like I thought about it, you know, and I actually shared some of this uh, with some people that, you know, if I were to, you know, die and then be face to face with God and he asked me, what did you do with the time that you had while you were on earth? And for me, that struck me. I, honestly, like I would say, oh, no, I, I don't know, Lord. I mean, I wasn't. I don't think I was being obedient to your call. You know, you did tell us to go out into all the world and, and preach the good news. And I felt like I haven't done that. So, you know, last month, um, you know, I've just been really challenged in that area. Just uh, you know, taking part in evangelism. And uh, and Friday, um, while I was in class, um, I felt God was just really speaking to my heart. You know, after class, you know, you need to come up to, to this person and, you know, just need to, you know, invite them to church. You know, just, you know, tell them that, hey, you know, um, just it, reach out to invite them. You know, that's, you know, like, um, it was sort of a challenge on personal evangelism. Even though I've been partaking in the evangelism life group that we have on Saturday nights, but I felt like God was just really challenging me in that area. So after class, I was able to talk to a classmate of mine, you know, and just invite him to church. You know, I hand him the invitation. Um, and then afterwards, one thing I forgot to do was I forgot to get his number. Like I wanted to call him, but, you know, I'll see him again in class. So, uh, But anyways, as I was leaving, um, God just brought this verse to my, to my heart. It's in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. And it basically says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And that verse has been on my heart ever since I started having a, a newfound passion for evangelism. You know, some of you might be here thinking, man, you know, I, I'm not that much of an eloquent speaker or, you know, I don't have much to say. But, you know, that verse alone spoke to me that God is with, is with me, is with us wherever we go when we go out to proclaim the gospel. And uh, I know some of you are thinking, well, I'm, I'm really not that good. Well, we have Evangelism Life Group on Saturday nights. They meet here at 5 p.m. You know, if you want to be a good evangelist, you know, get your feet wet. That's what it's all about. It's just practicing. You know, any athlete, football, basketball, baseball players, how do they get good at their craft? They practice. And so with evangelism, you know, it's the same thing. Get your feet wet. You know, go, go out there and just proclaim the, you know, proclaim the gospel. So... Um, that's something I wanted to share with you guys. I hope that challenged you and encouraged you. So let's pray. Father God, we just thank you so much, Lord God, for who you are and all that you do in our lives, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, that you are loving and you are just. And I just pray right now, Lord God, that you would just help us, Lord God, to, to give you all the praise and all the glory that you deserve, Lord God, that we will be faithful unto you, Father God. Lord God, I pray, Lord God, for this service this morning, Lord God, that you would just meet us, Lord God, and I just, we just usher you in your, your Holy Spirit right now, Lord God. Be amongst us, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, stand up on your feet this morning. Put your hands together. God, we lift you up. We lift up the name of Jesus in this place, God. 
the name that is higher than any other name. God, we lift you up, Lord. We worship you, King of kings and Lord of lords. Come on, get up on your feet this morning. Put those hands together. Hallelujah, Jesus. Shout it out, shout it out. Sing 
shame at the darkness, lighting up the kingdom, and cannot be shaken, in the name of Jesus, enemies defeated, and we will shout it out, shout it out, God is fighting for us, pushing back the darkness, lighting up the kingdom, that cannot be shaken, in the name of Jesus, enemies defeated, Pushing back the darkness, lighting up the kingdom that cannot be shaken. In the name of Jesus, enemies defeated, and we will shout it out, shout it out. God is fighting for us, pushing back the darkness, lighting up the kingdom that cannot be shaken. In the name of Jesus, enemies defeated, and we will shout it out.
You're our healer this morning. You're our God this morning. You're the Son of God. You're the bright and morning star, Jesus. You are more than enough, Lord. You are all in all, Jesus. You are all in all, Jesus. You are everything we need, Jesus. Everything we need is found in your presence, God. Jesus, you are our joy, God. You are our peace. You are our deliverer, God. You are a mighty warrior. You're the lion of the tribe of Judah. All the angels bow down and worship you. Your people in this room and all over this world, all over this city worship you, God. You're the risen one. You're the risen one, Jesus. You are victorious over sin and the grave, Jesus, our King. Come on, fix your eyes on who he is. Come on, we're not going to listen to what the world says our God is. We're going to know who he is in this place this morning. He is our God, our King, creator over heaven and earth. Come on, everything we see, everything we hear, everything we, we can even dream out. Come on, he created all those things. As you lift up your hands in this room, come on, he created those hands. He gave you those fingerprints, come on. He knows every hair on your head. There is nothing that is unseen by our God. The word says that he sees everything in darkness. Come on, if you feel like you've been wronged in your life, God saw that. God sees the tears that you cry. God sees the injustices that you've seen in this world and you say, God, that's not fair. God sees that. He is a just judge. He will judge the living and the dead. He will judge you for what you've done and what you haven't done. Come on, he sees all things. But yet he still loves us. A holy God that deserves to judge us for the things we've done wrong, our sins. He loves us. And today we can come to him in confidence because of who he is. Come on, we hear so many things in the news, what, what talk so hosts think God is and who they think Jesus is. But this morning, let's focus on who he is, what the word says he is. He is God. Oh, Jesus. Come on, get rid of the junk that you've heard this week. Come on. Some of you are confused about who God is in this place. You're confused. Come on, let God reveal himself to you. Holy Spirit, reveal the sun in this place. God, reveal the sun to us, oh God. Take away the blinders, oh God, over our eyes. God, reveal who you are in this place. Reveal who you are, Jesus, to us. You are God. You are God. You reign. Come on, reveal yourself to us, God. Come on, say, open up my eyes to see you, Jesus. Open up my eyes to see who you are, Jesus. Reveal yourself to us. Draw us near to you, God. Oh, Lord. You are holy.
If you got questions this morning about who God is, all you got to do is come to him and say, open my eyes to see you, Jesus. Hungry hearts are thirsty for you, Jesus, to see you high and lifted up.
refreshing may come from the Lord come on listen repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from God refresh us refreshing from God but it comes first when you repent come on he wants to refresh you. He wants to make things new in your life. He wants to give you so much. But first, you have to repent so that your sins can be wiped out. We just sing a song about how holy our God is. And holy means perfect. And we're singing about how holy God is. And we're singing how awesome he is. And for you to enjoy the presence of God, you have to repent and let him wipe your sins away. And only then can that refreshing come to you. Come on, if that word was for you, that word, that, that scripture is for you. Come on, you, you've been tired, you've been weary, you've been coming week after week, or maybe this is your first time, and you're dragging your feet all the time everywhere you go, and you just feel dry as a wasteland. Come on, the Lord is calling to you and saying, come to me, repent, let me wipe away your sin, let me let you come into my presence so I can refresh you. Come on, if that's you, come on, raise your hands before the Lord. And repent. Say, God, I turn from my ways. I turn from what I've been doing wrong. I turn from what I used to do before. And I turn to you, God, so that you would wipe my mistakes away. You would wipe my sin away. Come on, if that's you, come on, get right with him. Get right with him. Let him wipe away that sin. Let him wipe away the filth of your life. Jesus. Let's ask God to refresh us. 
Let's ask the Holy Spirit to come with his wind, with his fire, with his water from heaven. Come on, now we can come to the throne. Now we can ask for refreshing, for renewal. And you'll never want anything else. In the name of Jesus. Oh, spirit of repentance. Oh, spirit of repentance, God. We turn from our sin. We turn from worthless things. Some of you are watching TV last night that's displeasing to God. You need to repent of that. Oh, God wants to clean you. God wants to restore you. God wants to bless you. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you. Everybody, just in your own heart. In your own heart. You and the Lord. Just, just... Whatever you got to do, you, you know what it is. There's a thought that's probably nagging you. And you need to, you need to put that on the table with Jesus right now. Shut on him. There's something you did. There's some attitude. There's some misconception you had. You need to put that on the table. You need to do it now. We love you, Jesus. I want everybody to stay in this attitude of reflection and, and prayer. We're going to pass out the elements of communion. And uh, I, I think, you know, God, God is good. Um, he knows what he's doing. I think that word on repentance really brought us to, to this word for communion. We'll just stay standing for this if you don't mind. We'll just stay standing before the Lord. The kids, however, uh, may be dismissed to their Sunday school, and uh, your, your teacher will take you. Let's, let's pass out those cups, and, and please get me one as well. Thank you, Jesus. Shirarabah.
let's let's get that scripture up, please. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can look at First Corinthians, chapter eleven, verses twenty-seven through thirty-two. And this is dealing with communion. How many have taken communion before? How many have maybe done it as a Catholic? Okay. How many have never probably done it the way we're about to do it right now? Is this is this a, okay? So this is new for at least one of us. Amen. 1 Corinthians 11, 27 through 32. For this reason, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. A person should examine himself first, and in this way let him eat the bread and drink the cup. Everybody catch that? Before you touch this, you need to examine yourself. Verse 29, for the one who eats and drinks without careful regard for the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are sick and weak and quite a few are dead. But if we examined ourselves, we would not be judged. But we are judged by the Lord. We are disciplined so that we may not be condemned with the world. I'll give some context to this. This was written by Paul the Apostle to the church of Corinth, the, hence Corinthians. And when they used to do communion, they used to have a meal. They used to throw down, have a potluck, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, but there would be some people that were just eating and getting drunk, and, and, th and they were leaving other people out, and, and some people got full, other people had nothing at all. And that was, that's, that's no way to do things, you know? It's not honoring to God when... We don't, we're not a blessing to each other. So he was rebuking them because they're taking the communion, the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus, as, as a light thing. They're taking it lightly. You know what I'm saying? And they're dishonoring God in the process. And Paul says that he, he passed down the tradition that Jesus himself had established. said this this is my body broken for you and when you eat this do it in remembrance of me and he said this is my blood poured out for you do this in remembrance of me when you do communion it's not just an act of religious lip service and he said to examine yourself he says you need to discern your own self and what's in your heart you know, in the Old Testament times, there would be priests and they would, they would minister and they would do sacrifices. But sometimes they would have something impure in their heart, some sin that they did not deal with, something that was wrong with them. And they would die in the presence of God. And if you read that text, it says some of them have sick and some of them have died. You might have a hard time dealing with that. And maybe that's why some of you are not blessed because you're dishonoring God in this one area and in other parts of your life they're not they're not adding up because God's not blessing it he's disciplining you he's chastising you because he wants to teach you to take him seriously we're going to take this communion together but I want you to take 20 seconds we've already had some time in, in the worship to do it and you've probably been thinking about it take 20 seconds examine yourself Examine the condition of your heart before God.
take another few moments to remember Jesus. To remember the body that was broken for you. To remember the nails that were driven in his wrist and the crown of thorns on his head and the whips on his back. And the shame and the suffering that was heaped on him. Remember it and remember the blood. He was emptied of his blood on your behalf. There's a song that says we'll never know how much it cost to see our sins upon that cross. He paid for what you watched on TV last night. He paid for, for the unforgiveness that's in your heart. He paid because you're prideful and rebellious. He suffered. Jesus. Let, let, let it also be liberating and, re, and rejoicing because all that junk that just got exposed in your heart, he's going to clean that. And it's because of the body and it's because of the blood. It's because of what he did for you. Remember him, thank him, bless him, be grateful to him. Recognize that apart from his death on the cross, you would have no place with God. And you would not go to heaven. But because of what he's done, you can have peace with God. You can have purpose in this life and joy in eternity in heaven with him. We thank you, Jesus. Take a few moments, just you and the Lord. We remember what you did today. You need to make it personal. You need to see it that he died for your sins. You may have said that and believed that in your whole life, but make it personal today. Think of your sin on that cross. take these elements first uh, the wafer the bread the the body of Christ let's take this as a church let's take this cup the blood of Christ spilled for us let us take it in remembrance thank you Jesus Thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord, I must say, I don't even know what to do. Just the the weightiness of God is here. Oh, you just respond to the Lord. Any way you know, if you gotta weep, if 
you've got to laugh, if you got to, whatever, whatever you got to do, whatever God is, is doing, and, and, and Rachel, whatever he's doing up there. strap in tight, God's going to change your life. If you have made it right with the Lord, if you've examined yourself, if you'd allowed the, the work of Jesus to be applied to your life, if you've chosen to honor him today, strap, strap in tight. Come on. God is going to change your lives. Yes. Friends, we're going to take a moment and say what is our confession of faith what we believe as a church what the Bible teaches and what the church has taught over these 2,000 years we could get that up we're going to say this together as a church hallelujah everybody on the count of three this is our confession of faith if you don't believe this you know you don't have to believe it but for, have we got any believers in here Anybody trusting Jesus? And this is for you. You got you to gotta say this with us, all right? Amen? At the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world. The Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the united church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Amen. We have uh, Sister Griselda here. And uh, we're going to get another one of our elders up. And if you need some prayer, they're going to talk to you. If you want to get disciples, they'll talk to you. Besides that, everybody, uh, meet somebody. Tell them you love them. Amen.
Whoa. Stopped right when I started talking. Welcome, everybody, to Metro Praise. How are you guys excited to be here this morning? Praising the Lord. It's good to see a full house, new faces, familiar faces. Look to your neighbors, say, it's good to have you here. Woo, God is good. Again, welcome to Metro Praise International. My name is Nancy Wyrostek. I'm one of the apostolic elders here, and we welcome you here with open arms. We love sharing life together with you and serving the Lord. Our services here are every Sunday at 10 o'clock in the morning, so keep on coming, keep bringing a friend. And then our Friday youth service, Elevate! Every Friday at 7 p.m., they're going strong for God, winning their friends for Jesus. And we're just going to take our high schools in Jesus' name. Amen. Our vision here is loving God and loving people. Look to your neighbor say, loving God. Look to your other neighbor say, loving people. And we want to do that with everything inside of us. Love God and love our neighbor as ourself. Amen. And we want to welcome all of our first-time visitors here. If you did not receive this brochure, our ushers will get this into your hand. Please fill out the bottom portion. Put it in the drop box if you haven't done so already. We love to uh, keep in touch with you throughout the week. Again, welcome. Find a place to belong here. Our discipleship strategy is threefold. We want to connect, mentor, and send you with the cross. And our connect phase is done through our weekly and monthly life groups. Somebody say life groups. On the back of your handout, you have a schedule of all the classes, all the life groups that are offered throughout the, uh, the, the three months. We do this on a quarterly basis. So this month kicks off our new quarter. All the life group leaders last week presented their life group. So take a look at this list behind your handout. And we want to give you the week-to-week -week snippet of what's going on at MPI. So today, Sunday, every Sunday at 5 p.m., Encounter Prayer Night Life Group. So if you want more of Jesus, you want to soak in the word, soak in worship, come on out and meet the team here Sundays every week at 5 p.m. And then Wednesdays, King's Kids, somebody make some noise for our children. Come on, our children can come and have a life group of their own. It's infant to 11 years old every Wednesday, 6.30. You can drop them off, go have a date night with your spouse. Or if you're not married, you can drop off your kids, have some time to yourself to do some chores. So bring your children here because it's good for them to be discipled. And then Fridays, our adult life group, it's our Bible study every single week at 7 o'clock at Pastor Berto and Griselda's house. They're rocking it out, going deep in the word. And then Saturday, our sidewalk counseling is happening this Saturday. It happens once a month, so this is the week you want to join them here at 9 o'clock in the morning, and they go out to an abortion clinic, and we just minister to the women and the workers there. And of course, Saturday as well, every week, 5 p.m., the Evangelism Life Group. So find a place to belong. There's so much going on here at MPI. Find a place where you're just going to feel loved and grow in your walk with God. Amen. And then uh, we want to mentor you through our 101 buff, our... Elders and deacons, our leaders, are here to take you through this book. It's Welcome to Your New Life, and they're just going to take you through this and disciple you and mentor you, and then after you finish this, you'll go to the 201 class on Sunday mornings, Disciples That Make Disciples, and this is basically our leadership class where we train you to be a leader so that you can one day be an elder deacon in God's house. Amen? We believe that people should be trained. Leaders are made here because we want to continue to reach one, to teach one, to reach one, to teach one. Amen? And then we want to send you out with evangelism so to continue to preach the gospel where you're at, in your neighborhoods, at your job, 
And most importantly, on the streets as well. We want to have a heart for evangelism. We just came out of that series, Preach. And I know that that transformed a lot of our thinking and a lot of people's lives. And we just want to continue to be obedient, to preach the gospel wherever we go because God said so. Amen. And then our goal here at MPI is to have 100,000 disciples with 50 churches in this city and 500 churches around the world. If you believe we can do that, say amen. And give your neighbor a, a high five while you do that. Come on. God is good in this place. Woo. How many of you guys feel the love when you come here? I don't know about you, but I feel the love, especially during that fellowship time. It's like, can't give you guys enough time to give your hugs and kisses, but this feels good to be a part of a loving church, and um, we just love sharing life together. Right now, we're going to prepare to uh, give our tithes and offerings. If you could please turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 9. 6 through 8. Here at Metro Praise, we believe in the tithe and the offering. We believe that God commanded it, and we should be faithful to follow through with that command. Tithe is a 10% of your total income. So if you have $500, 50 belongs to the Lord. Amen? The whole tithe belongs to the Lord. It's set apart for him. And an offering is anything above that, between you and the Lord, that you give to him. And here at Metro Praise, we designate the offering to be towards our building fund, and our missions. And right now, you know that we're in a building fund trying to raise funds for our baptismal thing, which we'll get to in just a second. If you're at 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8, say, I'm there. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Somebody say amen. amen. The apostle Paul here is encouraging the Corinthian church, and he's encouraging them to be generous. And we are encouraging you at this time to be generous. Be faithful to God, number one, with your finances to the tithe. That belongs to him. The Bible says that when we keep back the tithe, we are robbing God. Let's not be guilty of robbery and thievery against the Lord and have greed in our heart. Let's give because God said to give. And if we could put that uh, building fund project up that we have right now, currently you guys know we are raising funds for this baptismal tank and God is meeting the need. Somebody get excited because we only have $723 left to go. Woo! God is faithful through you. So I want to continue to encourage Metro Praise International to be generous. You know, we, ch we put a challenge before you. We said last time, if just a certain amount of people put $100. So right now we want to do, you know, my husband and I want to share a story because when we put the challenge, the, you know, the challenge before everybody to give $100 so that we can meet that need, my husband and I wanted to do that. We didn't know how we were going to do it. You know, everything we, we make goes towards everything that we have to pay for. And so we knew that God had to come through with extra cushion for us to do that. And so we actually got a personal gift of $100 that was given to us by somebody. And we said, this is our seed. We're putting this towards the baptismal tank. So right there with that, that goes down to 623. So I want to encourage you, if there's six people, yes, come on, clap, clap it up. If six people in this place, can give $100. Let's knock this out today. We want to order this baptismal tank this week by faith. So if six people 
that could say, God, I'm going to pledge $100. I don't know where it's going to come from or if I'm going to give it sacrificially right now from what I know I have in my account. I'm going to trust you, God. I'm taking this out and I'm giving it to you. Then six people, this will be done. Let's do it today. How many of you guys believe that God can knock this out today through your generosity, through your giving? And if you can't give 100, give whatever you can. Even if 12 people gave $50, this could be done. So we want this to be done in Jesus' name today. We thank you for everybody that has given. And if you haven't taken the opportunity to give, now is your chance. Give what you can. But the challenge is six people give the 100. If you can't meet that, give what you can out of your abundance or out of the little that you have. Make a sacrifice for God because he's faithful. And this passage of scripture says it clearly. If you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. So let's sow generously because we don't want to reap sparingly. Amen? We don't want to reap just sometimes over here, sometimes over there. God says that he loves a cheerful giver and he blesses abundantly. How many of you guys want to experience the abundant blessings of God? Stand up to your feet with me, this, with me this morning and give the Lord a hand clap because of his faithfulness. God, we thank you for all the finances that have come through. We thank you, Jesus. Come on. Amen. Let's recite this together before we pray for this offering that's coming forward. Luke 6, 38. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness in our lives. We thank you, God, that you want to bless us abundantly and that you love generous givers. You love cheerful givers. And here at Metro Praise International, we want to be generous, God. We want to put your kingdom first. We want to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. And all these things will be given to us as well. So, God, we put first your kingdom. We will sacrifice, God, ourselves right now and say, God, well, I'm going to give this 100 I'm going to give this $50. We're going to knock out, God, and provide such a blessing God for years and years to come of souls that will be saved and baptized God we thank you in advance that this is done today we thank you Lord that you're going to provide for all of our needs that you're a good God and we just thank you for all that you're doing in this place meet our budget this month God at Metro Praise above and beyond in Jesus name and everybody said amen please come forward as you give this morning Amen, amen. How many love Jesus? Let me get a woo-woo. 
Amen. Open up your Bibles with me to the book of First John. So good to see you here this morning. Thank you all for giving to the baptismal fund. We're about ready to drop people like it's hot in that baptismal tank in the liquid grave. Amen. Somebody say drop it like it's hot. Amen. You so on fire for Jesus. Got to dip you down. Amen. So we're going to be planning the next baptism in November. I know already there's about a dozen of you that have already come to us saying, I want to be baptized. I want to rededicate my life to the Lord. And so it's going to be cold. We're not going to do it outside. We're going to do it right cheer. Everybody say right cheer. Amen. So you just want to plan on that. Talk to your one-on-one leaders, and it's going to be awesome. And uh, once again, turn with me to 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, and I want to share a few more things about family business. Thank you for your giving to the baptismal fund. It is awesome, and I believe this week we're going to get it. Another thing, all last month I went longer in the services than I normally do, and the altar time went longer. And I just want to thank you as a congregation for going OT with the pastor. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap for that? Amen. Because not all churches want to go OT, man. People walk out on the pastor and, and all that stuff. And I just appreciate that you allowed me to go overtime, that you trusted me, that I wasn't just babbling and being boring, that I was really trying to get out, disseminate information that would bring revelation, to bring transformation, that then would bring revival to a nation. Amen? So I'm glad that you stuck with it for the long haul. And I can now tell you this month, Lord willing, we're going to get you out here early, though I know that's not your focus. I just want to let you know these messages are going to be shorter. They're going to be more practical. We have a lot of new people and visitors, and maybe last month was a little deep for you. You felt like you had on your snorkel gear and your scuba gear. This is going to be really, really super practical as well for the old timers encouraging, so I wanted to thank you for that. And then also, my wife and I just thank you for your prayers. As the church is growing and we're just doing more and more with SUM and now having our fourth baby on the way. Come on, somebody say hey. You know, making babies is hard, but somebody's got to do it. You know what I'm saying? Somebody got to do it. So I'm doing it. You know what I'm saying? I'll do it. But anyways, I'm making babies. And so we got the fourth one on the way. You all been seeing it on Facebook. This is our official announcement to you as a congregation. Please keep my wife in prayer and uh, just really lift her up and then pray for me to love mama, pregnant mama, because, you know, pregnant mama is sometimes hard to love. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes pregnant mama hard to love. But I just pray for grace. But pray more for her, though, obviously. Women are like, no, we ain't buying it. No, we're praying for her not you but uh just thank you for all that and now this new series that we're starting for the whole month of october is something that i pray will encourage you we're doing it as well with our daily devotions lifechangingdevotions.com you can go there and sign up get a daily devotion to your email or just check it out on facebook that's life changing devotions and what we're going to be talking about this month is being an overcomer everybody say overcomers Thank you. And what we are going to have as our tagline, it's what we're going to confess every single week, is what it says right here. And I'm going to read it first for you so you can hear it. I am who God said I am, and I can do what God said I can do. That is going to be our tagline. We are going to preach it, we're going to teach it, and we're going to live it. So every week, bring a friend, bring a visitor, and apply what you're learning in your life and give it away to others because I believe this is true. I believe we are called to be overcomers. We may be on a journey that sometimes mountains and challenges get in our way like this rock climber, but we are going to make it. We are going to overcome our challenges. Can I get an amen? 
Amen. So let's say this confession of faith together as we start this new series. I am who God said I am. I can do what God said I can do. Y'all ready? Amen. One, two, three. I am who God said I am, and I can do what God said I can do. Amen. Let's look at our opening text. Notes always on the website and Facebook if you're ever following with us. First John chapter 5, 3 through 5 will be our text for the whole series. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his what? His commands. To keep his what? Commands. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands. Thank you. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. It's so hard following Jesus. I just want to beat people up all the time. And I want to, is that, you know, come on, is that how some people think? It's so hard not to commit adultery. He said, thou shalt not commit adultery, but I want to. The commands of God are not burdensome. They're actually a blessing. So get out of your pity patty party and start living like an overcomer right now. Amen. Everybody say right now. In Spanish, ahora. We're starting right now. The commands of God are not burdensome. So whatever we talk about this month, get stinking thinking out of your mind. Get that junk out of your trunk. You know what I'm saying? Well, I just want to twerk like Miley Cyrus, and it's so hard. It's so hard not to twerk like Miley. Yes, you can live without twerking, baby. You can live without stealing and lying. This is love for God. Oh, I love God. Oh, Dios mío. You know, I love, no, here's love for God. To keep his commands. And his commands, all of them. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Obey your parents. Don't lust after what somebody else has. Don't be jealous. Don't covet. Is everybody with me? These commands are not burdensome. These commands are good for us. The overcoming life, keeping God's commands. This whole series is about living that kind of life, and it won't be a burden. Now, you will feel like you're in a battle. If you don't feel like you're in a battle versus good and evil, evil has already conquered you. You are knocked out for the count. If you don't feel like you're going against the stream of culture, that's because you're going with the stream of culture, okay? I'm not saying that it's always going to feel easy or come easy. What I am saying, according to the word, is that keeping his commands will not burden you. They will bless you. They will uplift you. Everyone born of, oh, here we go, verse 4, for everyone born of God overcomes the, overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. What is the victory? Our faith. It is our faith in Jesus Christ. And I love First John. He says, who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Amen. I'm going to read it now in its entirety after you've heard it briefly explained. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands and his commands are not burdensome for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one that believes that Jesus is the son of God. Do you believe that today? Do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe by faith in what Jesus did for you? He can do things in your life you could never do for yourself. I'm going to say that again. Do you believe by putting your faith and trust in what Jesus Christ did for you that he now will do things in your life that you could never do yourself? 
That's what it means to be an overcomer. An overcomer is not somebody who does more religious things, go to church more, pray more, try to change their life more. No, an overcomer is someone who says, I have faith in God. God can change me because he didn't come to die on the cross to make uh, bad people good. He came to make dead people live. By the cross of Jesus Christ, those who were once sinners now become saints in Jesus Christ. You see, the cross of Jesus Christ does more than renovate your life. It totally transforms your life. You're born of God. You are a new creation in Christ. Today, we must not put our faith in our own human efforts. We must not put ourselves at the center of our lives if we truly want to change and see our lives transformed we must deny ourselves pick up our cross and follow Jesus we must count ourselves poor to be made rich in him we must count ourselves dead to be alive in him we are saying Jesus I can't but you can and what has become impossible Jesus says I am possible everything is possible to the great I am God what you say is impossible, God says, I am possible. Are you ready for this series? Say, I'm ready. Amen. Let me give you some terms. Somebody's happy. Number one, born of God. Everybody say, born of God. In this passage, John the Apostle. He's the apostle who also wrote the gospel of John. That great gospel that goes into the heavenly perspective of who Jesus is. He writes this letter as a teaching letter. That's why it's called an epistle. It has the uh, number one before it, First John. John is a gospel. First John is a, an epistle. It's a teaching letter. And he says that those who are born of God overcome the world. But to understand his definition in 1 John, when he says born of God, we have to go to the gospel of John, to the story of Jesus that John recorded to understand what does he mean, born of God. So turn with me to John chapter 3, verse 3. What does it mean to be born of God? Now, if you've been coming to church for any time, you know what it means to be born of God. It's the same as being born again. But for those who are new and you want to see it from the words of Jesus, we'll take our time to explain this, and it will encourage all of us. John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus is speaking to a religious man named Nicodemus. This man, Nicodemus, was religious. Everybody say religious. He himself went to the synagogue. He studied the scriptures. As a matter of fact, he was a teacher of the scriptures. He had probably memorized large portions of the scriptures. Yet Jesus speaks to Nicodemus and tells him, I tell you the truth, unless a person is born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Everybody say, born from above. Now please put that to the new NIV version so we can all use it together. I want you to see that being born of God, being born from above, being born again is all the same thing. We don't have time to get into the whole passage of John, but Nicodemus begins to ask, well, how do I become born again? Do I then go into my mother's womb a second time and come back out? Everybody go, oh, that's gross. You know, how many know if you try to go to your mom saying, Mom, guess what? Jesus told me to be born again. You know your mom would be like pushing you back. No, we ain't doing it. We did it once. We're not doing it again. How many know that would be gross? But Nicodemus, all he could think about was another physical birth. What God was teaching him was that he had to be born again. Look at it now in the NIV, a more contemporary version. Very, very, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are 
born again. Now look at verse 4. How can someone be born when they're old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they can enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to I can't get into the whole context, but I can give you the simple definition. What does it mean to be born of God? It means to be born again in your soul and spirit. Just as you were born the first time in flesh, you must now be born of spirit. A spiritual rebirth must happen inside your life. Wouldn't you like to have a second chance at life? How many of you have made some mistakes that you wish you could be forgiven of and start again? How many of you have some things inside your heart, some memories, some hurts, some pains, that if you could push reset, delete like you would on your computer, you would want to do it on the inside of your heart? How many would really want to do that? All of us should want to do that. All of us should. Why? Because we're all sinners born the first time into sin, and we live out our sin. And if we'll be honest with ourselves, we know that the wages of sin in our life has been death the things we have done to ourselves, without even the devil's help have made us our worst enemy how many know you don't need the devil's help to have an attitude in traffic how many know you don't need the devil's help fellas to lust after another woman or another man whatever your thing is hello how many know you don't need some you know, devil's help a demon to come tell you keep your offering don't give tithes how many know you can rob God all by yourself we have become our own worst enemies, born of flesh, tracing our ancestry back to Adam and Eve who rebelled against God. Jesus said to Nicodemus, if you want to enter the kingdom of God, if you want to enter where Jesus is your king and he rules and reigns in your life, and as it is in heaven, comes to your life on this earth, you must be born again. How many want to be born again? How many have been born again? Amen. Now turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Not only does this word born again mean to be inwardly made new, born like how we were in the flesh, but now born of our spirit and soul, but it also means to be totally transformed and cleansed. Sometimes we think to ourselves that Jesus is just coming in with an SOS pad into our life, that maybe you came to this altar, you've asked Jesus into your life, and, you know, maybe you're, uh, at, before you came to this altar, maybe you were 70% bad and 30% good. And now that you've come to Jesus, maybe now you feel like you're 60% good and only 40% bad. You don't understand salvation then. Without Christ, you were 100% bad. Because the standard is perfect or not perfect. So what were you before Christ? Perfect or not perfect? Not perfect, right? So you came to God 100% bad. But then some people think that when Jesus saves you, he only saves you 50%. But that's not true. As much as you were a sinner by what Adam and Eve did in their curse through the human race is as much of a saint, a child of God, is who you are when you get born again of Jesus Christ. So you come as a sinner 100% bad, and when you're born again, you're 100% good. You say, Pastor, nobody's perfect. That's right. You need to get born again to be made perfect by Jesus Christ.
Now what we mean when we say nobody's perfect in this church is what we mean is nobody always lives it out perfectly. But salvation itself, the new person, is perfect in Christ. And only when we sin do we need to be cleansed of it because we're no longer sinners. We are now saints in Jesus Christ. So don't walk around being bipolar. Well, I'm partly a sinner on, on Monday through Friday, but on Sunday, whatever, I'm a saint. No, you either all or nothing, baby. Lord of all or not Lord at all. Who are you, a sinner or a saint? Are you born under the curse of Adam, 100% bad? Or are you born under the blessing of Jesus, made the right? Righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I choose to believe in Christ. Therefore, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You may say, I don't know if I believe I've been purified from all that junk. Let's look at what Peter said. Do you think Peter would know something or, or two about Jesus' life and teaching? Remember John, he's pretty important. John says we overcome everything, have to be born again. Now look what Peter said. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that your sincere love for each other, love for one another deeply from the heart, for you have been born again. Somebody say born again. Not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. So what does he say? How many things have we been purified from all things? When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you have been purified and your soul is pure in God. It is pure today. Are you all listening to me? So think of your life coming before God as a water bottle, 100% polluted and disease through and through then Jesus Christ saves you you become 100% purified from this place of purification he now says work out your salvation don't work to be saved don't try to keep purifying yourself believe that you have been purified and avoid sin and live pure for he is pure live holy for he is holy and if we were to sin Sin now invades that clean heart. The conviction of the Holy Spirit speaks to you and says, bing, 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 you had an attitude today. You treated somebody not like you wanted to be treated. And any sin in your life becomes like that pebble in the shoe, like an impurity in the water factory. And they say, boom, shut it down. Let it be purified again. And that process of being purified and continually purified from your day-to-day -day mistakes is called sanctification, to be made holy unto Christ. And so keep on reading verse 24. Look at what it says. For all people are like grass. Look at your neighbor and say, you're like grass, baby. And all the glory is like the flowers of the field. Look at you and say, you look at your neighbor and say, you ain't nothing but a daisy of the field, baby. You ain't nothing but a daisy. The grass withers and the flowers fail, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Why is that important? Because it's by the word of God you became born again. It is the seed that transforms your life. Jesus Christ said you have to be born again. Peter says that when you accept the word of God, this word becomes an all-purpose cleansing agent and transforms your life entirely. And now look at 2 Corinthians 5.17 to cap off this definition of just what it means to be born of God. It means to be made new in your soul and spirit, to be purified and totally transformed and cleansed. And lastly, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5.17, to be made a new 
new creation. Look at it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, they're partially new and partially old, and they're going to be jacked up until they get to heaven. Is that what it says? If anyone is in Christ Jesus, they're still a sinner and a saint, and they have to wrestle every day to decide who they're going to be. Am I Dr. Jekyll or am I Mr. Hyde? Is that what it says? Look at what it says. Therefore, if anyone, do I got any anyone's in this place today, are in Christ, the new creation has come. When? Right now. The old has gone. The new is here, baby. Come on, shout to the Lord and say, I'm new in Christ. Come on, believe it. I am new in Christ. When does the new creation come? Right now. I'm not partially new and partially jacked up. I am made new, brand spanking new. That Greek word means new like never before. I don't even come back like a baby. I come back like someone who has never existed before. A brand new creation. That's who you are. That's who God says you are. This is the truth of the gospel. Because what you believe is how you'll live. If you believe that you're partly a sinner and partly a saint, then those days you make mistakes, you'll be like, hey, it's okay. I'm still a sinner. Jesus didn't save me perfectly. I'm still working on all my stuff. You'll make excuses. And the devil loves that because the devil doesn't want to see you live 100% for Jesus. If he can't stop you from getting saved, he then wants to stop you from living saved. Does everybody understand that illustration? Think about it. If he can't stop you from coming to this church and raising your hands and worshiping God, what he'll want to stop is you living for God. He'll want you to be a broke, busted, spiritual, disgusted saint of God that walks around in sin, always complaining on the rat, uh, on, on the gerbil wheel of your temptation. You can never get off. I repent and say I'm sorry, but I'm still stuck here. And you'll go nowhere spiritually, impact nobody, not bless your family or have an inheritance to give them spiritually. And you'll just be holding and waiting to get to heaven. And the devil loves that because you know what he doesn't want? He doesn't want you to be a conqueror. He doesn't want you to believe that you're a new creation because the moment you become Holy Ghost filled and sanctified and know who you are, you are a terror to the devil. Pornography will shut down on the internet when God's people live right. Violence will end on the streets when God's people know they don't have to act that way. If every person in this city who claimed to be a Christian lived like Christ, this city would be transformed overnight so how many here want to be overcomers it's your choice look at the definition please put it up born of God according to John and the witness of scripture to be born of God means to be born again in your soul and spirit by the spirit of God to have inner transformation and cleansing and to be made a new creation that's how we're going to be overcomers Look at the verse as we go through these definitions. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands. Did God ever say it's okay to break some of his commands because he knows you're just a sinner and sometimes sin feels good and you got to feel good? I need some sexual healing. Oh, I need some sexual healing, man. It's not going good for me, man. Big Hooters.com make me feel better. 
gets quiet when I preach like that. You can say, oh, me or oh, my, but somebody better shout amen because he didn't say that partial of these commands is what he expects. He wants us to love him by obeying all his commands. Put it up there, First John chapter 5, verse 3. In fact, because there's a lot of falsehood concerning this. Well, I love God, but I don't keep his commands because nobody's perfect. First John says, you're a liar. You're a liar if you love him. In fact, don't let nobody lie. This is a what? A fact. If you love him, you will what? Keep his commands. And his commands aren't burdensome. Hallelujah. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. So if you want to be an overcomer, you have to be born of God. You have to come to the God and say, I am a sinner who has sinned and broken your law. My life is not the life you want me to have. Would you give me your life? And when we pray that and mean it, he transforms us and makes us new. Now, right here is where some people will say, I have tried that and it didn't work. And this is where I say respectfully, then you ain't saved, my friend. And this is where I say respectfully, then someone has mistaught you what it means to be saved. Because I was brought up in church. I knew what it was like to go to kids' camps and, you know, want to live for Jesus and then come back and mess around with my friends. But I knew at 18 years old what I needed to do to let Jesus make my life brand new. I had to give him everything. And when I surrendered everything, November 5th, 1995, I can testify to you, I became brand new. Things that I used to do were no longer acceptable. Even things in my conscience that I didn't have a problem with. I really didn't have a problem with cursing. I thought it was okay. But the moment Christ came into my life, cursing was like spitting in pure water. It was dirty and filthy, and I began to feel convicted like it didn't belong there. No one told me to stop watching movies and TV like Jared was sharing earlier. But I began to realize that some of the TV shows and movies I was watching were full of perversion and just gore and violence. No one told me, but when I watched these things, the Holy Spirit said, this is not for you. And I felt grieved. The same thing is with how I treated people. I remember, you know, getting angry with people, and I would always feel justified. They deserved it. They deserved to be cussed out. But as I would go home, I started to feel the Holy Spirit say to me, that's not what you do. That's not how you treat people. Call them back up and apologize. Why was the Holy Spirit so vocal in my life? Because I was now his. I was born of that spirit. And I'm being very honest with you in humility and sincerity for your own good. If you do not have the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit and you hear the voice of God guiding you through the moral decisions of your life and transforming you, you have not been saved. You may have cried. You may have felt bad for your sin. Someone may have prayed for you. And we may have even slapped you high five in hopes that you were saved. But this is how you know you're saved because you overcome the world. This is how you know you hear his voice. Don't have me go into 1 John chapter 1 and get you all the way up to chapter 5. Do that this week. But I promise you, this man writing it, John, leaves no, uh, ri uh, no uh, way for us to misinterpret what he's saying. As a matter of fact, go to 1 John chapter 3. Somebody say, preach it, baby. Come on. First John chapter 3, I'm just going to take you there quickly so you can understand that all of this plays together in his letter. First John chapter 3, and I want you to see it out of his own words so that you can get this. First John chapter 3, 
Verse 5, when you're there, say I'm there. Because I see some eyes looking at me like, like hungry little puppies, like feed me, pastor. Feed me, pastor. Yes, I will. <laughs> it's First John chapter 3, verse 5. If you're there, say I'm there. But you know that he appeared that he might take away some of our sins. No, that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. Look at the next verse. Matter of fact, I'm just going to have you all read it out loud. There was no way I could put this in your Bible and sneak it into your hands this morning, could I? This is the Bible, B-I-B-L-E. Whether this preacher says it or not, you can hate the messenger, but don't hate the message. This is tight, but it's right. Amen? Just read it out loud, congregation. One, two, three. No one. Whoa. Keep going. Oh, snap. Well, I know him, and I keep on sinning. You are a liar. You are a contradiction to what the Word says. Look at verse 7. Dear children, don't let anyone lead you astray. Don't let a TV preacher, don't let a priest, don't let a family member, don't let anybody lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning well jesus just sin is so powerful in my life the reason the son of god appeared was to destroy the devil's work no one who is born of god will continue to sin because god receives seed remains in him they cannot go on sinning because they have been mm, come on somebody slap your neighbor high five and say get born of god Come on, get born of God, somebody. Going back to 1 John chapter 5, the conclusion of this letter. What is it saying? Born of God and overcoming the world. Before you think to yourself, well, that means I'm going to go jo join a monastery and I'll never sin again because I'll never do anything again. I'm going to go be on some Himalayan mountain somewhere to hide myself from sin. No, that's not what we're to do. We are to have faith in the Son of God. That's how we overcome our sin. So those of you now who might feel your toes getting stepped down and you feel a little bit convicted and, and you're wondering, well, man, what does that mean? Do I have to run more on the rat race of good works and try to do more things? No, have faith in God. Believe what's being told you. When the word of God came, First Peter, he said this, it came and purified those who believed it. When I, and I'm just using my own example, my wife and everyone here that's saved has this example. When I heard the gospel November 5th, I said, God, I'll take it. It sounds too good to be true, but if you're true, then it is true. And I believe Jesus died on the cross. Does anybody believe that? And it's no different for the preacher to you sitting in the pew. I just said, God, have all of me. And he saved me wholly and perfectly. I'm not partially saved. I'm all the way saved. Have I always lived it? No. But when I don't overcome the world and I don't live like a born-again Christian, what do I do? I repent. And I say, Lord, restore unto me that which you have given me. See, repentance is a penance for the things you've done. And you're not saying it's okay, I want to keep sinning so I can be forgiven and use the grace of God like it's that dirty rag we have in the garage that whenever you come home with dirty hands, you just wipe it and throw it away. Jesus' blood is not just a way just to be forgiven so we can keep on sinning and have no respect for the blood. No, the Bible says in Hebrews to live like that, we trample on his blood. 
but to live holy, empowered by his grace, we please him in all that we do. And that kind of life, once again, think about it. Here's the passage. That's not a burdensome life. That's a joyous life. That's a joyous life. Being hooked on pornography is not being free. It's being bound. Being a slave to your temper is not a good thing. Being a slave to your depression and your feelings is not a good thing. Low self-esteem, dealing with a self-centered life, being envious of what other people have, disobeying your parents, young people, adults, lusting after other people's wives or husbands, uh, being greedy and trying to pursue the wealth of this world. All of those things that the world says is freedom. Go out and have all you want. Get drunk. Make money. Be merry. Do all you want. The reality show of this world that we see Jersey Shore and, you know, uh, Real Housewives of Orange County and, and all of this is a lie. It's not freedom. Miley Cyrus is not free. Oprah Winfrey is not free. Well, I live with Stedman, but we're not married. That's not free. Brad and Angelina, that's not free. They live together, adopted kids together. They're actually bound to their own insecurities because they don't trust each other enough to get married. They're bound to their own selfish desires, not wanting to put someone else's needs above their own. These things that come through the world and sinful thinking, those things are burdens some but what is the devil he is a what a liar a deceiver so what does he want to convince you sin is easy living for God hard sin is easy living for God hard it's exactly the opposite living for the devil is hard it's condemning it's shameful it's depressing it's always worrying it's never having enough but living for God is full of peace beyond your own understanding joy in the presence of God strength beyond your own strength and friendship beyond this world see living for God may come with challenges but it's incomparably greater and better than living for the devil as a matter of fact Jesus said it like this any one of you weary and tired this is what Jesus said he said any one of you weary tired come unto me and you shall find rest for your soul take my yoke upon you like in the farmlands they put yokes wooden uh, uh, beams across oxen and they uh, pull the plow he says take my yoke upon you for my yoke is easy and my load is light and you shall find rest for your soul you can look at famous people who were not at rest though they had everything the world would offer like a man like Deion Sanders cheating on his wife making millions of dollars being in the Super Bowl and in the World Series having a, a hundred thousand dollar sports car tried to commit suicide and drove it off into a ravine then God spoke to him and said I'll satisfy you I'll give you rest for your soul and you don't have to blow a million dollars on prostitutes or become a failure in this world to understand that. You might just be like my wife. My wife was 18 years old, and she was in a relationship with a boyfriend. She wasn't doing drugs. She wasn't stealing. But she knew there was an emptiness on the inside. She knew that her own desires were working against her and oppressing her. And when she heard a preacher preach at a youth crusade, you can be free in Christ. Christ's love will change you and satisfy you. 
She fell in love with Jesus, broke up with her boyfriend, became committed to the things of God, not to be saved, but because she was saved, because she was born again, she desired the pure milk of heaven. So those of you who say, well, these things that you want us to do, Pastor, to live pure and free from sin, they're not desirable to me. If living holy and these things aren't desirable, it's because your heart is not pure. You're too used to the pop and the soda and the, 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 the wasteful things of this world. But the moment you get born again, you'll crave the pure milk of God and the water of the Spirit. Nothing else will do except God. Can I hear an amen? If you're ready to go back to the message, somebody say preach. Number two, what does it mean to overcome the world? What does it mean to overcome the world? Open up your Bible to 1 John chapter 2, 16. We're born of God and we overcome the world. What are we overcoming? John said it clearly at the beginning of his letter. He said, this is what the world is. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. He said, for everything in the world, somebody say everything. You see, you can't take something out of the world and try to Christianize it and say, now this is what God wants. No, unless you have Christ in your heart, everything in the world is corrupted this way. But once you have Christ, you can be a part of this world, but the world is not a part of you in here. You can still have your job. You can still watch football games. You can still do things in the world, but you're no longer of the world. But when you're not born of God, football can become like an idol. You know, your job can become like an idol. These things corrupt your soul. And that's why everything in the world without God is these things. Is everybody listening to me? Everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. See, you see the Father and the world, they're at war with each other. They're not in agreement with each other. It says here, the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Look at your notes, please, as they put them up. What are the three things John describes as the world? The lust of the flesh, number one. What is that? That's the evil desires that God commands you not to do, but they bring temporary pleasure. You see, the worst thing we can say to our kids and young people or even to new Christians is that sin will not bring you pleasure now that you're a Christian. That's totally wrong. Sin will still bring you pleasure, but your heart will be convicted and you will be taken over by that sin if you're not careful. But adultery will feel good. Listen to me, my friends. Men cheating on your wife will feel good, but you'll have to pay a price for it. Stealing and having extra money to go blow it on whatever you want will feel good, but it will cost you your soul. Lying to others, some people are addicted to lying, and making yourself look better than what you really are will feel good. You see, think of it this way. Most of the sins we do have a temporary pleasure. That's why we do them. And for us to come to you in this church and say, you know what? Sin is bad. It's disgusting. Pah, pah, pah. Oh, I don't want it anymore. It's a lie. Sin is like candy to your soul. 
It's like McDonald's french fries. You can never get enough of it. You'll just keep wanting it. But here's the thing. It will corrupt you. It will change who you are. It will take the pure things of God. So what are we to do as Christians? We are to overcome these things. We're not to pretend like they don't tempt us anymore. No, we're supposed to say, Lord, deliver us from our temptations. Because I can admit as your pastor, my three biggest sins is the lust of the flesh other than my wife to to desire another woman to look at women and to lust the lord says joe you can do it and it will feel good and cost you everything or you can overcome the world through my spirit that's in you by faith in the son of god another thing the lust of the eyes which is to desire more and more and never be satisfied i can become lustful for the growth of this church and say, I want this church to grow no matter what it takes. I'll make small compromises on the way. I'll put people in leadership who don't belong there. I'll overlook sin when it comes in the camp. I'll make compromises along the way. Why? Because I want more people. I want a bigger church. I want more money. And see, God says to me, that might feel good, preaching to a 1,000 and to have a million-dollar budget, but if you do it the wrong way, it will cost you your soul. It's the world versus the Father, the love of the Father or the love of the world. Which one do you want? I'm just confessing my sins. Pick out one in each one of these categories that apply to you. What is the lust of the flesh that you want? For me, it's more sex outside of my wife. I can admit to that. What is something that the lust of the eyes that come into my, my eyes, wanting more money, more church, more power. And then what is the pride of life? A man-centered boasting of what one has and does. You see, I can become so prideful and unteachable to say to my pastor, Brother Anthony, what do you know? What do you know, sir? I know more than you. Nancy, why are you trying to help me? I know more than you. See, the pride of my life with my education and my experience can become my greatest downfall. That's why Paul said in comparison to Christ, all that he had did was nothing but dung. He said, I'll choose to lose all of this just to gain Christ. Now, as you guys looked at me with such sanctimonious eyes and you're so pure and holy, why don't you be honest? What do you need to overcome? Praise God, I've been faithful to my wife for eight years, haven't looked at pornography since November of 1996. You see, because of confessing my weakness and coming to Christ is why I can have a tremendous testimony of overcoming the lust of the eyes, we've been faithful in this church, not because I'm something, but because I keep saying to Jesus, whatever you give us is what we'll be satisfied with. And whenever it rises up in my heart to want to do more and take shortcuts, God, I'll take your way. In the pride of life, I just thank my wife right there because she keeps me humble every day. She'll rebuke and correct me, and as long as I can hear what my wife is saying... And what Brother Anthony is saying, and Lord willing, he'll be here in November, I know God will guide me on this path of humility. What are yours? What do you need to overcome? What is in the flesh that's like smelling that chocolate cake in the kitchen? What is the flesh to you like that where once you just see it, you just smell it, you just got to have it? You've just, you just got it. Maybe it's an old boyfriend, an old girlfriend. Maybe, maybe it's something that you used to do. Maybe it's 
something you were hooked on, or maybe it was something you just didn't do. You didn't serve God. You didn't do this so you could have more free time to yourself, just so you could be about your own business and not about the Lord's business. What is that thing that when your eyes see, you, you get so tempted to take shortcuts, to, to compromise your testimony just to have it? Maybe you're looking at your tax returns and you say, you know what, I could just get $1,000 more. I could see $1,000 more if I'll just lie on this part right here. You know, in my job, I can see I can get this raise if I'll just fudge a couple numbers right here. What is that thing when you look at, maybe it's guys wanting to go to the gym and become a bodybuilder, something that becomes sinful. And the moment you see it, a lust, an evil desire comes up in your heart and says, I want it. And God says, no. Love me more than you love that. And what is that pride in your life? That pride that, you know, you can come to church and you can act all humble. Yes, pastor, I love Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm just here to do what's right. But if somebody who knows you, a parent, a wife, a spouse, if they just get to that one part of your heart, if they could just dig right in there, boom, pride just comes up. Don't touch that. Don't tell me about that. Don't tell me to change that. Don't tell me I got an issue with that. What is your pride of life that when no one else is looking, you have to come to God and you have to say, God, if you don't deliver me from this pride, I will lose everything you've given me. Because if Satan could be in heaven and fall to become a devil, I can fall right now, Lord. Take heed, the Bible says, when you think you stand, lest you fall. I've preached messages like this, and I'm just telling you, after 15 years you hear my testimonies, I've preached messages like this, and people have literally said to me, I'm good. Oh, I'm so good. Oh, man. You guys just work on all that stuff. I'll just sit here in church and pray for others. I've actually heard this before. And some of those people are not even serving God today. Why? Because they don't want to be honest. Oh, who, me? Lost after the flesh? Oh, come on. Watch out for pastor now, ladies. Come on. Look at the guy he is. Oh, wow. Be honest with yourself. Because when you think you stand, you're going to fall. But if you can come to your knees, you'll never fall. Can you knock a man down that's already on his knees? The Bible says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you. Why would I be afraid to confess to you my weaknesses when Christ, the God of the universe, already knows them? So why would you be afraid to confess it to him? Your confession shows your humility. Your willingness to say, God, this is what I'm battling with, gives you the ability to have victory. Who is it? Go back to this hot scripture so you don't think I'm making this up. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. See, I believe Jesus is greater than the lust of my flesh, the lust of my eyes, and the boastful pride of life. This precious treasure of salvation that Jesus gave me, I want to guard it with everything that's in me. I don't want anybody to take my crown. I don't want to shipwreck my faith or to be in the air aimlessly. I want to finish my race and be a soldier as unto the Lord. And here on that day, well done, my good and faithful servant. How many want to hear that? on that day amen let's go to the next one faith in jesus as the son of god how many are encouraged come on say amen we're born of god we overcome the world through our what faith in jesus what does it mean to have faith in jesus it's simple to put your full trust and assurance in the full person of jesus 
You guys ever seen those, those things where they fall back and somebody catches you? You're putting your full trust in the full, the full ability of that person. You ever done zip lining or any of those kind of activities? You ever flown in an airplane? You're putting your full trust into the full ability of that pilot. How many can say amen? Salvation is putting your full trust in the full ability of Jesus. Who is Jesus? Turn quickly, John chapter 1, verse 1. He's not just a good man. I'm not just saying this good man is going to help me out. Like Buddha gives out fortune cookies. Like, oh, that's cool. That changed my life. No, Jesus is not just giving out wisdom like he's a Buddha. Jesus is God in the flesh. He came to be with us to show us his love and mercy. Look at John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. John 1, 1, sir. Put it up there so everybody can see, please. In the beginning was the and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Listen to this story about Jesus. Can I read the Bible today? Is it okay if I read the Bible in church? Amen. I don't got any more funny stories to tell. Is it okay if I read the Bible? Okay, here we go. He was with God in the beginning. Jesus through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Do you think he's got some power? He made everything. Do you think he can help you overcome the world? In him was life, and the life was the light of all mankind. That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is not John, the author of the Gospel of John. This is John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He only came as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Now look at verse 10. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. How many know you don't crucify somebody you love? Why did they crucify Jesus? Because they didn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own rejected him. The Jewish people didn't want him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. How many children of God are here today? You did that because you believed in the name of who? Jesus. Children born not of natural descent, not of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of what? Grace and truth. That means he came to tell you as a T.I. is, but to forgive you for all the times you didn't do what he said. He didn't come with compromise and a false love. He came with real grace, real forgiveness, and real truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one who I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Look at this. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in the place of grace already given. So it's grace on top of grace. God is giving it through Jesus for the law. Now here's who we find out who that word is, the logos in Greek. For the law was given through Moses, you shall not do this, you shall not do this. All 600 of those laws was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God is in closest relationship with the Father. He has made him known. 
No one ever saw the Father who is God, but we saw God the Son because God is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when you go to John chapter 14, he said, now I'm going back to my Father and I will send another, Elion in the Greek, one just like me to be with you. He shall be your comforter. He shall be your helper, your parakletos, your lawyer and defender, and he will be called the Spirit of Truth. So who indwells us today? The Holy Spirit. And thereby having the Holy Spirit, the Father and the Son are with us. Grace and truth are here. And that is what we put our faith in, who Jesus is. Can I hear an amen? amen. And lastly, overcomer. Going back to the definition. We're born of God. What does it mean? Inner transformation, spiritual rebirth, to be made a new creation. We're overcoming the world. What is the world we're overcoming? The lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life. We're putting our faith in Jesus, the full assurance of the full person of who he is. And now we're overcomers according to the word of God. And what does that mean? Someone by faith in Jesus who overcomes sin and lives a victorious life. Do I got any overcomers up in this house? Do I got any people with the victory? Are anybody, is anybody overcoming sin in this church today? Now in closing, as Rachel comes, I want to give you four heart-revealing questions that now only you can answer. As a good preacher and teacher, I'll sweat and holler and spit sometimes. I think he had to wipe some spit out of his eye a couple times. But I can never override your free will. I can only lead you to the water but can't make you drink. Now I just want to ask you these four questions that I think summarize the teaching you've heard. And though some of you may say to yourself, man, this, this sounds too good to be true. It's not. This is the gospel. This is good news. This is how we overcome. This is what we want to talk about this month. Not looking deeper inside ourselves to change ourselves, but looking unto God to change us. Looking at that creator who made everything and who created us new to give us the power to overcome what we face. I'm not washing my car on my own and then bringing it to Jesus' car wash. I'm not trying to save and change myself to ask Jesus then to save me because some people don't think they're ready for church and I ain't ready for that. No, you're ready to go to hell. You better get ready to come to Jesus just as you are a sinner. Because he doesn't take sinners and give them help to become saints. He takes sinners and makes them saints. Three, uh, four questions. Do you believe in God? It's a good place to start today in our culture, right? Not everybody believes in God. You may be here and you don't believe in God. If Genesis 1-1 is true, then this is possible, what I just talked about. It may sound too good to be true, but listen. If Genesis 1-1 is true, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, then that means there's nothing impossible for God today. If there is a God, then all things are possible. So I'm just asking you that first question. Answer it honestly, not just for the preacher, but as you would if you were by yourself tomorrow. Just answer it. Do you believe in God? Number two, do you believe the Bible, 66 books, is the accurate word of God? Some people say, hey, I believe in God, but I believe in other books, the Bhagavad Gita, the Quran, etc., but do you believe the Bible that we preach out of 66 books, 39 of the Old Testament, 27 out of the New Testament? Do you believe this is accurately telling you the story about the God you believe in? That he created us, 
that prophets have come and brought us his word. Moses gave us the law. Jesus came from heaven to earth. He existed before he was here on this earth. He was born a virgin to live a sinless life, to die for us. Then his disciples went out and preached his message. Now we're waiting for him to come back. The signs that he said would happen are happening. Do you believe the Bible accurately tells you the story about the God you believe in? Number three, do you believe Jesus God in the flesh who died for man's sin, raised on the third day, ascended into heaven, is the only all-powerful and perfectly saving Savior. Because you could say, I believe in God, and I believe the Bible, but you may have a different definition of God. Jehovah Witnesses think Jesus was an angel. Mormons think Jesus is one of many gods, a spirit brother to Satan. You could be a part of a different mindset. Do you believe that Jesus is the Savior? Now, there's some Christians in some religions that do believe Jesus is a Savior. But every time they talk about your relationship to Jesus, he is always weak and powerless, emaciated, some white blonde-haired man on some skinny old cross. He's not powerful and perfectly saving. Do you believe he's powerful, all-powerful, there is no power that he doesn't have. And that when he saves, when he says, you're saved, you're born again, you're a new creation, he does it perfectly. Perfect Savior. That when he saved you, he didn't make any junk. When he saved you, it wasn't 98% done. When he saved you, it was perfectly done. Is he an all-powerful, perfect Savior? And then lastly, do you believe you are? who God said you are, and you can do what he said you can do. Here's 30 things that I'll be summarizing this month to try to give you to overcome pride, the fear of man, the fear of failure, the fear of persecution, being self-centered, an offense that you may have towards God, bad theology, not being teachable, greed, worries of life, lack of faith, laziness, sexual sin, family rejection, shame, unforgiveness, failed leadership, gossip, troubles of this life, deception, easily offended, hypocrisy, lack of trust, dishonesty, lukewarm, rebellion, discouragement, lack of time management, lovelessness, and ageism. I, as a pastor for over 15 years, made 30 lessons to give you in daily devotions and to summarize in the next four weeks. And I hope that you found a couple things up there. And those are the days they're coming out. To say this month, I will believe who God said I am. And I will do what he said I can do. Ageism, get out the way. I ain't too young or too old. I'm serving God. Discouragement, get behind me. I will take this mountain. Lack of time management, I'm putting things together in Jesus' name. A stone cold heart's going to get on fire in love, Jesus. Lack of trust is going to start trusting again. Deception's going to be filled with truth. Would you just stand to your feet and just bless him today? Thank you, Jesus, for setting us free and making us overcomers. Altar workers, would you come as we get ready to close out? You can start today. You can start right now in making a decision. I will be who God said I will be. I will do what God said I will do. You can start right now. You can be born again. Every eye on me right now, please. Please look at me. 
you can be born of God right now. If you've already been born again, but you've walked away from God, you can get born again again. Renew your commitment to God if you're in that place. And for those who have never given their life to Jesus, start today. These altar workers are here to pray for you. And they're not going to do it for you. They're just going to help you to communicate to your father. Imagine if you hadn't been with your father for 10 years. and But one of your siblings has been in the house the whole time. What would you do? You'd probably go to him and say, hey, man, how, how should I approach dad? That's all they're here to do. But they're not here to take his place. You don't need Jesus' mother, brother, sister, cousin. You need Jesus. So if you want to get born of God, these prayer workers will help you today. And then secondly, if you're born of God and you know that you know God is in you, but you have been in that tug of war against the, some of the things I've mentioned or whatever's coming to your heart today, let us pray for you. And you know what our prayer is? Our prayer is that, okay, God, now that you're in a wrestling match with their sin, God, we pray you knock it out, Lord. Battle for them. No, no, no. We're going to pray and say, Lord, let the victory you purchased on the cross become real in their life right now. Help them to have faith in the victory you've already accomplished. Jesus and the devil aren't arm wrestling for you today. The devil's been defeated. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father waiting to give you that victory. So why live in it one more day? Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for this service. I thank you, God, that the word has been clearly preached. Faith has come to our heart. Now I ask, God, for those who have not been born of you, not born again, that, Lord, today they would not leave out of here until they do. That, Lord, they would know that they know that they have a relationship with you as their father through your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, I also pray for those who are genuinely born of you. But Lord, they're not living as overcomers. They're not victorious. They've been being defeated and overtaken by the things of this world. And Lord, they may feel like giving up today. Lord, I pray that they will come and see that your victory is real. Your power is real and that they can and will overcome all the temptation that they're facing. In your precious name we pray, in Jesus' name. Can you say amen and bless him one more time? Amen. Praise the Lord. Can you shout hallelujah? Amen. The band is going to worship. You are dismissed. If you want to stay and pray, I would say come forward or worship, but slap somebody high five and say you're an overcomer. God bless you as you go. Those that need to come and pray, would you do so right now? We'll see you at Life Groups.